Blessings. Welcome to Divine Feminine Rising with Mesdaline. I'm Mesdaline, a mystic, author, Reiki master, divinely feminine belly dancer, and now podcaster. Raising divinely feminine awareness is my passionate purpose in this lifetime. Guiding people towards empowerment and personal transformation is my joy. My intention with this podcast is to entertain, educate, and illuminate as I share the power and magic of the Divine Feminine. Thank you so much for being here. I'm grateful for your time and attention. Today's episode is about leaving the past in the past. The past is done and over with. There's nothing we can do to change it. We don't have a time machine to go back and make things happen differently make different choices. It just, it is what it is. So being in the present moment is where I believe spirituality lives. And being stuck in the past keeps us out of alignment with, with spirituality. So I have lots of stories, and we'll see what comes out of my mouth this time. I hear people say, that's the way I was raised, or they blame their parents for their unhappiness while well, I was an abused child, or whatever. And the reality is that, yes, as a child, you were powerless. You had to do what other people told you to do, and you had to suffer if you were being abused. And I myself was a severely abused child, but the reality is... Once you become an adult, once you leave home, you make your own choices. You're no longer powerless unless you choose to hang on to what happened in the past, right? When we choose to hang on to what happened, especially if it's something bad or tragic, that takes our power away. When we continue to blame our parents for the abuse, then we are continuing to give our parents power over us instead of taking power over ourselves, being in charge of ourselves. I hear all the time about people who have endured some kind of tragedy and some people blame others for their tragedy and in truth, like the first thing that comes to my mind is someone losing a loved one to a drunk driver. Well, yeah, that drunk driver is to blame for the loss of their loved one. However, you can choose how to react to that. You can choose to stay angry and continue to live in that pain allowing that pain to be a constant in your life, or you can choose to get past it, to do something with that anger. For instance, the organization MAD, if you've heard of that, it's Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. And in 1980, a woman named Candace Leitner started MAD, after her 13-year-old daughter, Carrie, was killed by a drunk driver. And this organization has done so much good in educating people, getting laws changed regarding drunk driving. 
And it's one example of so many where people have started nonprofits to help other people after a tragedy has occurred. So many nonprofits have started after natural disasters, after mass shootings, and so many other things. And so these are examples of turning tragedy into triumph, taking something that was horrific and life-altering and instead of losing power to it, which I'm sure the people lose their power temporarily after a tragedy occurs when they're in that intense grieving and pain, but then they can move forward and turn that into something powerful. They can turn that tragedy into something that helps other people. Another example of that is the Amber Alert. I'm sure that we've all had our phone alarm go off and seen a picture of a child that was missing. And this stemmed from a little girl named Amber who was kidnapped and murdered. And um, Amber Alert is an acronym with her name. It's America's Missing broadcast emergency response. It happened when law enforcement and the media teamed up to make a method where people could be immediately notified when a young child went missing. So am I saying that when you suffer a tragic loss, you should go out and start a nonprofit organization? No, these are just examples of how people have turned tragedy into a positive, how they have taken brutal loss and turned it into something that saves other people. For instance, hundreds and hundreds of children have been saved because of the immediate Amber Alerts that are sent out. So what I'm saying is that you can hang on to that pain or you can transmute it into something positive. It might just be, you know, planting a tree in the memory of your loved one or um, definitely keeping them alive through sharing their story. So does this mean that moving forward means the pain or fear goes away? Absolutely not. But it does mean that you can reach the point where that pain and fear no longer has control of you. I'd like to share how I deal with these things. I believe that each and every soul that comes into my life is a gift in some way and a teacher. When I lose someone, I focus on gratitude for the time that they were in my life. It might be a short time or it might be years. But either way, I'm very grateful that I had a chance to get to know them. And I spend time thinking about them and thinking about what they added to my life, the gift of them that they gave me, their special, unique, loving essence, and how they impacted me as well as other people in the world. And 
the things that were created or happened that wouldn't have been created or happened had they not been a part of my life. And for me, this is where healing comes in. It helps me to get past the pain, to get past the feeling of loss, to remember that they were a gift and a teacher for me, and that now they are energetically somewhere else, and they are doing their beautiful soul essence expression in another plane of existence. Anyway, that's the way I think of it, and it's really helped me a lot to process and to heal and to get past pain, is to just remember that that person was a gift, and I am just so grateful that they were part of my life for as long as they could be. I want to tell you a couple of stories of people who hold on to their pain and how it affects them in their current life. I once knew a woman who was in a gathering of people and suddenly she began to sob and fold in half in agony. And she kept saying, that's our song, that's our song. There was a radio playing in the background and apparently a song triggered her and she was obviously in absolute pain and agony. She was crying in that just gut-wrenching way where you know that, that somebody has suffered some kind of agonizing loss. And so I was very concerned. And she was crying too hard to speak, so her daughter was there, and I asked her daughter, if she knew what was going on. And she said, yes, that was her and her husband's song, my stepdad. And I said, did he just die? And she said, no, they got divorced 20 years ago. Now my jaw, I'm sure dropped to my knees and my eyes got wide as I looked at, at my friend because her mother was reacting in a way that felt like this had just happened. She was in true agony. And so obviously she'd been holding on to this pain for a long time. And a song comes on a radio and it and it's fresh. This memory, this pain is so strong and fresh. It's like it just happened. I just can't imagine living that way where you just relive that that agony over and over again, where you retain it and you hold on to it. I knew another woman who her life dream was to travel, but her husband hated to travel. And one day a relative sent her a ticket for Costa Rica and also sent one for her sister so that they could go to Costa Rica on this wonderful trip. What an exciting adventure. After years of saying that she wanted to travel and always wanted to go to Costa Rica, she didn't act very happy about it. And so I asked her what was going on. Why was she not acting excited about it? 
And she said, I'm afraid my husband is going to have an affair while I'm gone. And again, I felt like my jaw wanted to drop to the ground, not just to my knees, but to the ground this time. And I just looked at her and said, why would you even think such a thing? I mean, I'm looking at someone who'd been married for 50 years, okay? And she said, well, when my son was a baby, he had an affair. So almost 50 years before, her husband had had an affair, and it's 50 years later, and she's received this wonderful opportunity in her life, but she can't enjoy it because she's so afraid that he's going to cheat on her again. So it was astounding to me, again, to imagine that she had hung on to this for 50 years, hung on to this pain and fear that it would happen again. These things that happened decades before were still controlling these two women as if it had just happened. They were hanging on to that grief, hanging on to that loss, hanging on to fear, and it just felt amazing that this could still be so strong for them. They both had beautiful families and friends and support. And instead of focusing on that, they were clinging to the past, clinging to that pain. And so you might wonder why, and I certainly did, as I met people who seemed to just wallow in their pain. And I think for everyone it's different. Some people don't have the support they need. Some people get a lot of attention from their misfortunes. So in a way, it becomes a positive thing for them. Many have never received counseling, which gives them the tools to get over it, to get past it. And some don't even have an inkling that they don't have to keep hurting because they think that's just how it is, that that's their burden to carry forth and carry forward through life. For me, I was fortunate. I went to counseling, and my counselor at one time helped me visualize a pack on my back full of all the bad and sad things that had happened to me. He asked me if I wanted to continue carrying that pack and continue putting painful things into it and having it grow bigger and bigger and heavier and heavier, or did I want to put it down? Until that point, it never occurred to me that I could put it down, that I could leave it behind. Of course, I chose to put it down. I mean, I was given the option, <laughs> given the option of carrying that pain forever or letting it go, I was going to let it go. So what did that mean? How did I let that go? For me, it meant changing my mindset from focusing on the pain, focusing on what was wrong with my life, focusing on the past and the hurtful things that had happened, and to start focusing on what was good, what was right in my life, what was beautiful, such as my young daughter and the supportive friends that I had. It was also about forgiveness. And a lot of people think that forgiveness is condoning what happened. It's not about condoning what happened. It's about letting go of 
the power that that incident has over you. So for me, I was an abused child. And I imagine my parents as abused children, which I'm sure they were, which I know they were, and understanding that they did the best they could under the circumstances. They did the best they could with the tools that they had. And just imagining that they no longer had power over me, that that was something that happened in the past that did not have to affect my present or my future. And that was the beginning for me. It was also important that I was given the idea of self-love. And for instance, so many of us blame ourselves. For example, um, someone who's been raped, they think, I should have worn something different. I shouldn't have walked down that street or I shouldn't have gone into that business or whatever the thing is, they blame themselves and they feel shame for what happened to them. Not only are they carrying the shame of the perpetrator, they're carrying their own shame. And it's important to put the responsibility on the perpetrator, not on yourself as a victim. And it's important to know that in that circumstance, you were helpless and you couldn't do anything to prevent the tragedy that was happening, but that you're no longer in that circumstance. You are in the present moment. And in each present moment, you can choose to focus on the good, to focus on what's right in your life, not focus on what happened in the past. Another way of doing that for me is finding the joy. A few years ago, I was on the big island of Hawaii, and I went to a class put on by a kahuna. A kahuna is someone who practices huna, which is an ancient Hawaiian healing method. And this kahuna talked about joy. And he said that being in alignment with joy is being in alignment with spirit. And that the degree to which you are out of alignment with joy is the degree with which you are out of alignment with spirit. And this really helped me. I have to say that in the first couple of decades of my life, maybe the first three decades of my life, I was definitely out of alignment with joy. And I, I was seeking spirit, looking for spirit, longing for spirit, but I didn't know how to connect really. And so this, when he said that, it really spoke to me. So how do you find joy when you're feeling agony? For me, I found it through my daughter's eyes when she was a little girl. She found joy in the simplest of things. And later, I looked through my granddaughter's eyes. So looking through the eyes of a small child is one way to connect with joy. Um, I smile as I think about it. My granddaughter, one day we were walking to the car after school, I was taking her home from school, and she was running around and stepping on leaves. And this one went crunch, and she just lit up. She said, oh, I found a crunchy one. And I just, I was off in my own world somewhere thinking about all the things, you know, and when that 
when she said that, it just brought me right into the present moment, right into her joy. And there she was, finding joy in a crunchy leaf. How simple. How simple. So it's, it can be just a moment of your life that you feel that aspect of joy. But that moment can be life-altering. It can help you change your mindset. It can bring you a smile, which can take a little bit of that pain away. Recently, there was this thing going around on Facebook called Glimmers. And the explanation was that a glimmer is the opposite of a trigger. And in a way, it is a trigger, but it's different. Uh, The concept is that a trigger can be something that ignites pain inside of you. It can be something that brings up trauma and stresses you or causes you pain. Whereas a glimmer is something that causes you joy or helps you feel happy. So that crunchy leaf was a glimmer. Sometimes it might be like a crystal hanging in the window that's flashing a rainbow on the wall. Just small little things can be glimmers. So look for the glimmers. So I know people who have gone through recovery and they talk about taking things one day at a time. And that is such a good thing. It's such a helpful thing. Sometimes when I'm hurting badly, it's just about getting through one minute at a time. But anything is possible when you focus on the present moment instead of focusing on the past. So the reality is that our mindset can create our futures. So it's important for us to be positive. If you want a future of pain, hold on to that mindset of pain and dwelling in the pain and dwelling in the past. But if you want a future of love, focus on being as loving as possible in each moment. Focus on finding joy in your life. Focus on being in alignment with joy like that Huna teacher taught. Align yourself with love. Align yourself with joy and you will be in alignment with spirituality. Thank you for joining me today. My mission is to help bring back the balance of the divine feminine to spirituality. Please share this episode with anyone interested in the divine feminine and personal empowerment. This podcast is my labor of love. And if you'd like to connect with me further, please reach out. You can find me at mezdaline.com, Divine Feminine Rising with Mezdaline.com, Mezdaline Bliss or Mezdaline on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. And please join my mailing list to receive my newsletter. Allow the light of your love to shine. Be the change. Lead the way and remember your light of love is a needed gift to the world that only you can give. Thank you for listening, and may you find your bliss.